Hello and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. It is party time, as Guru Wrighton said. I am here, your host, Jess Park Humphreys, joined by Abdullah Abdullah and Nick Villaney, the lesser spotted Nick Villaney. Um, Nick, first thing I've got to ask, when Emma Hayes said it's gin o'clock, did you feel like that was her personally reaching out to you as the, the king of gin? <laughs> king of gin uh a bit of a headache right now uh from from said gin so um <laughs> you took her literally you uh, said yeah, it look, is gin o'clock hey I, I report for duty when emma hates calls <laughs> i am there and uh and look it was a very easy request to follow simple directions you show up there's gin and now we're uh now we're a little worse for wear but that's okay yeah um i definitely feel a little worse for where I went to a house party after the game last night. Also, I definitely got sunstroke from the game because I was in the sun all day. Um, and one of my friends there, who clearly thinks I'm much more important than I am, said, did you not get invited to the Chelsea party? And I said, would I be here if I'd got that invite? Um, so The answer is no. There's always next year. I'm, I'm still hoping. I'm still crossing my fingers. Uh, Abdullah, how are you doing? How did you celebrate our glorious fourth WSL title yesterday? It was good. I couldn't watch too much live because it was on Sky Sports. So that's a little bit of an issue for me, but I kept reading and watching wherever I could. But when I saw the news, I enjoyed it with some Burger King because I needed a burger. I felt like it was called for celebration. My friend who was with me, who knew nothing about any of this stuff, I just said, we should totally order some Burger King. And he said, why? I said, we're just going to order some Burger King. Don't worry about it. And then we ordered Burger King, had enjoyed that. And uh, yeah, you know, it was it was it was a great uh, it was a great evening. Good to see the win and um, finally close the gap and and won the title. You know, I felt like this was just going down to the wire. Is Burger King the same in Dubai as it is in the UK? I mean, it should be right. I mean, it's it's a franchise chain. Well, you know, sometimes like if you go to McDonald's, like around the world, they have like different different bits. Do you think we should do the Burger King song with the double in it? <laughs> double, 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 double. Do it. So I, I don't think we have that. So I don't think we have that over here. But no, true. You, I mean, there obviously there are a couple of things different. But I ended up. What did I get? I ended up getting like a, a steakhouse burger, which was tasty. So I went. I went all in because of the win. Great celebration. Love that. Love that. Um, yeah, we are here. Obviously to talk about Chelsea winning four in a row, a team that continues to defy expectations, to break boundaries, um, a team that's just absolutely delightful, uh, Nick. And I think in a season where being a Chelsea fan hasn't always been easy. Um, no, points, <laughs> you, you don't say. <laughs> I think that might even be too kind. Yes. Um, but how like important and, and nice has it been to have the women's team and have an element of the club who are just very, very good at what they do? Well, I, so there are two parts to this. I mean, the first part is uh, that starting this season, you knew Emma Hayes had a plan for the year, whereas on the other side of the aisle, there was not a very clear and direct plan. Like I, Brandon, Dan and I were at all the preseason matches for the men's team uh, last summer. And we were talking to our journalist friends. We sat in the two goal press conferences. It was very, very clear. It was a mess, right? 
and it was very very clear when you guys were doing the the preseason episodes that there was a clear plan like we're gonna bring in Kadisha Buchanan cool that sounds like a very good idea right like so it so that, that's kind of the the part is like this was set up much differently this was set up for success right and success came uh which is a, a massive surprise uh, the other thing is that this team is just ridiculously likable. Uh, like, it's hard not to root for them. And and I will say, slowly but surely, there are more and more Chelsea fans tuning in to, to what this team is doing who I, I think just have never had an interest in it, right? Like, they are captivating people who, in my mind, wouldn't have ever been women's football fans. And I think to do that is transcendent. Like you have to do something really special to grab the attention of that extra 30% of people and kind of bring them into the, the camp. And then when they get there, all they see are seven goal performances and great celebrations and a team that really looks like they love each other. Right. I mean, and that's a big, big part of, you know, why they're so likable to me. And then you throw Emma Hayes on top of it, who I just adore and, it's pretty awesome. And I, look, I'm just, I'm really, really happy for this team. They deserve it. They work their ass off and their performances are consistently quality. And you can't say that about the other side. And I've done a lot of covering of the other side this year. Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting about fans kind of coming over because I've definitely felt points this season that some of the negativity around the club has maybe affected the women's team as well. But sure. that maybe there hasn't been the same level of positivity. Um, but I really felt like that Leon game was a bit of um a moment that kind of changed that, you know, like an opportunity for for the women's team to bond with a more like traditional Stamford Bridge audience. And yesterday, um, it's kind of sad for Reading, but they set their record attendance because it was literally just Chelsea fans, um, well over six thousand uh, fans there, and I, it was really telling. I thought how many. Um, people wearing shirts with men's team players on the back, which I think is always a good indication of like, where's this audience coming from? Um, you know, normally I think at King's Meadow, you see a lot of Ker, Kirby's, Bright's, Harders, but it was really telling that, you know, like people with Tiago Silva shirts, Charles Felix shirts. Um, and I think it really felt like lots of Chelsea fans who were like, yeah, we want a great last day of the season because it's sure as hell probably not going to come against <laughs> Newcastle nope. in uh, 90 minutes time. Um, and yeah, I think also what what the, the team give, they you, you said that they love playing together, Nick, but I think also like they, they really love playing for Chelsea and there's like a real respect for the badge. And I think that's, again, something that it's been easy to feel like has maybe been missing this season on the other side. Yeah, I, I also think that like Emma's leadership ability has really shined through at times. Like you're getting a lot more quotes. You're getting a lot more coverage from traditional uh, journalists who, who cover the men's team who are now, I think, looking for any ray of sunshine at Chelsea. And that ray of sunshine has largely been this team. And so like we know that uh, Nizar Kinsella has been hanging out around the, the press conferences lately and doing a lot more stories on, on the women's team. That can only Breaking help. all our transfers, which we love to say. Exactly. So, I, like, all of this is is good news. I think, of course, you wish that the whole club was performing at the level that the Chelsea women's team are performing at. Um, clearly did not happen. Hope hope it does in the future. But I, I, think, I think to bring in 
new folks, you have to do special things. And this team just consistently does special things. Yeah, 100%. And, and Abdullah, I think we saw that yesterday, didn't we, in terms of just feeling like it was a strange game because obviously Reading did get relegated and then like the PAs like blasting out we are the champions um and I do want to talk about the game today but it, it's almost hard because it, it felt like such a procession in some ways I think especially when kind of Sam opened the scoring after 20 minutes or so yeah and and I mean it was just I mean again it's it's unfortunate but the fact that the last game was against Reading who the weakest team in the league. And so for, for I think eight ninety five percent of people, this was probably just that game where, you know, Chelsea were going to win it. It was just a matter of how many, not if they were going to, you know, uh, win it. And <clears throat> I think from, from the very beginning, I mean, you just look at the whole Dian Rose substitution in that first half. I mean, I, I think they even knew what they were getting into, um, knowing that they were probably going to go down and, you know, Chelsea were going to win us. Yeah, like you said, the whole game felt very uh not testimonial per se but it was very much like all right we're just going to celebrate the win of the title you know everyone whoever needs to get a send-off kind of it's it's your final game whether it's magda panela or deanne rose on the writing side and and uh, uh sorry Dan carter and, and all that but it it's a weird it was a weird last day. it was a weird last game it didn't it didn't feel like oh you know something's on the line it just felt like right chelsea's gotta play one more game inevitably they were gonna win it and then the title was done and i think in it of its in of itself, I think is a you know a good thing considering you know a few weeks ago things were going up and down and kind of the way that the season has been going where you've had moments of um uh you know good run of form you know you know win streaks and then you've had moments of ooh something's a bit off here you know lost this game the the, the Leon double header was a little bit of a, a you know. Was a little bit touch and go. Obviously, Chelsea won it in the end, but that was a little bit nervy. And then the nerves kind of move into the next one. And obviously, that 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 Barcelona second leg was probably the turning point. Where I think Emma said herself, it was a turning point. So, it just considering the way the season has gone to kind of come onto the last day against probably arguably the easiest opposition that we could have faced, and then to kind of just go and win it three nil and without really kicking into like third or fourth gear, I thought I thought it was pretty good and not as stressful as what we've seen in the last few weeks. So I think for me, that was the biggest thing. You have to actually win it though, right? Like I think one yeah. thing that gets overlooked in these moments is like, yeah, people expect Chelsea to beat the last place team in the league comfortably because we beat the last place team in the league comfortably all the time. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to actually go win it. We've seen some teams recently, I'm not going to mention their names, bottle the league. Um, pretty severely. Uh, and, you know, you, you look at, I think to me, like the, the stat that, that Graham uh, Macquarie posted yesterday, since going 1-0 down the second minute against Liverpool on May 3rd, Chelsea women scored 25 unanswered goals over seven games. That's just winning mentality personified. Like, it was like, all right, we're in second gear. Now we're going to shift into third, fourth, and fifth all at one time. And, uh whew, we're going to blow right by you. And that's just an incredible thing that they're capable of doing. Yeah. I don't know what Emma Hayes is doing with the, the clutch on that car, Nick, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that tracks as well. Riding it rough, but that's okay. <laughs> All right. Um, let's take a quick ad break here and, and we'll come back and we'll do three word match reviews. Last one for the season. Um, and talk a little bit about, about the game itself and how it was one as Nick has so rightly pointed out it needed to be. 
So, the league-winning three-word match review, the best, most exciting one of the season. Um, let's kick off with Chelsea FC USA with one of those fated gold ticks on Twitter going with Chelsea champs again. Uh, Amy, inevitable Chelsea again. Obviously, CFC goes with champions once again. We've got a lot of agains going on. Love that. Um, let's keep on hammering home how many times we've we've won this title uh, Michael Doherty coming in with Dance Johanna Dance, one of my personal favourite moments from yesterday. There's a lot going on there. <laughs> There's a lot going on in the Aaron Cuthbert live video uh, and everyone just screaming at Johanna Rittenkanerid. Uh, the Grick goes with England is blue. Chris Riley says fitting send-off, obviously for Ericsson Harder. Frankie, this is kind of like a six-word match review, but it works quite nicely as two three-word ones, uh, first one being, we needed that, and the second one being, thank you, Chelsea FC women, um, which feels very fitting. Nick, what is your three-word match review for this, the final game of the season? Shamelessly stealing it from Emma Hayes, it's gin o'clock. <laughs> I feel like we need that on a, like, a t-shirt, where uh, yeah. it's like, Emma Hayes is like silhouette. And then it just says it's gin o'clock. I'm wearing my Queen's Meadow shirt right now to uh, to celebrate this women's team. Uh, but but yeah, gin o'clock on a on a shirt would look fantastic. Add that to the merch list. That or like a actual gin glass. Um, so that's something for the for, to figure out over the off season. I think uh, Abdullah, what is your three word match review? Yeah, I've gone for Queens of England. Just you know, absolutely dominant and um, four in a row is is no joke. So I think that's something that you know everyone needs to realize. It's it's an insane achievement. Not everybody be able, is able to do that, and that's the consistency of the club, the team, and 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 for Emma Hayes more than anybody else to do it with, essentially two different, you know, era sets of players and, and teams to and, and to go and win it. So yeah, I think it's Queens of England for me. Yeah, I'm going in a similar vein, Champions of England, just because I feel like it still hasn't like sunk in at the start of every season. I fully tell myself, look. Chelsea can't win the league every year like that's just not the way football works so like you need to emotionally prepare yourself at the start of the season for the fact that a different team might win the WSL and every year I get to the end of the season and I go oh shit we did win it that was a waste of time um and long may that continue I will continue to uh try and make sure not to jinx myself by not being overconfident and I continue to hope that I prove myself wrong by the end of the season when we inevitably do win. Um, all right, yes, Chelsea's 3-0 win over Reading. Goals from Sam Kerr in the 18th and 88th minute as well as Guru Wrighton in the 42nd minute making it a pretty comfortable win. Nick, run us through this Chelsea lineup. I think this was probably like the most standard starting lineup we could have come up with for this game. I was hoping Alsu Abdelina might get a, a, her WSL start. She's the only member of the senior squad other than Emily Orman, I think, who's not started a game uh, for us this season. But I guess maybe because we did need to get this over the line. We went a bit more run-of-the-mill. Yeah, lot, lots of subs made, uh, though. So, um, yeah, and catch burger in goal, obviously, Eve Parasite. Marin Mielda, um, still continuing as centre-back uh, this late in the season. Absolutely interesting. Uh, Magda Eriksson, of course, uh, on her final uh, match. And then Neve Charles playing left-back. Sophie Engel, Aaron Cuthbert, standard midfield. And then Lauren James, Pernilla Harder, Girl Wrighton, and Sam Kerr. That's a lethal front four. So, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty standard stuff. 
substitute appearances from Jess Carter, Melanie Lupoles, uh, Jesse Fleming, uh, JRK, uh, Shankovich, and then uh, unused subs of Musvich, uh, Svekova, Buchanan, and Abdulina. Unfortunately, Abdulina not even making it as a sub. But, you know, at that point, you're, you're just kind of doing vibes and feels, and that's kind of where that is. Yeah, it definitely got to, to vibes by the end of that game. Uh, I don't know, I guess the only kind of interesting thing, um, I don't want to like go into this in too much detail just because it's the last game of the season and I don't know how much stuff you can read into any of this, but we've just kind of noticed recently this slight preference for Ingle over Leupoltz. Um, Do you think that's just like to do with the number of minutes Leupoltz has played since coming back from, from giving birth or... Like, is there anything you've kind of noticed there that's a bit different that maybe Ingle offers over over Melanie? I think I think it's a mixture of both things that you just said. I think Leupold has obviously come back from uh, from some time off, so I think considering the number of minutes she's played, I don't think she was probably expected to play that many minutes, but um, she ended up doing it. So maybe a little bit of rest was the end of the season to get her, you know, uh, you know, eased into to you know back into professional scene. I think this is one, but I think also kind of in the middle i think what i've noticed i think chelsea needed um someone a little bit more safe if i can put it quote-unquote safer in midfield alongside an aaron cutspin especially since penilla hot has come back because you know that penilla is going to be the one to really drive forward you know really play a bit more of a free role in that number 10 position and you kind of maybe want somebody a little bit more safer a little bit more disciplined in terms of her positioning and isn't want to venture forward as much and i think what we've ended up seeing is whenever Leupold has started, she's probably one of the first or second subs to be made for an Ingle-type type player in the second half, 60th minute or so. And I think it just comes down to that security. And I think considering Chelsea, the importance of the games, like we said, that Chelsea needed to uh, win, I think getting in someone like Sophie Ingle and allowing Aaron Cuthbert and Penny Lajada and, and, and the like to really push forward and get us those goals. I mean, Nick, you, you referenced the 25 unanswered goals, and I think a lot of that comes down to the security that we have in midfield and, you know, allowing the rest to thrive forward. So I, I think it just came down to a bit of midfield security and the minutes. But, um, yeah, going into next season, I think it'll be interesting to see which one of them starts alongside Aaron Cusper because I think at this point, Aaron's pretty much cemented first choice in that, in that midfield easily. Yeah, I, I would also say Sophie's been playing so well. I, like... I know we had questions at the beginning of the season, Jesse, about uh, like how how much longer are we going to get of elite Sophie Engel? Apparently, more is the answer because she's been great. Yeah, she's like the flip side as well of my we can't win the league this season. It, it, I'm also every season go with like Sophie Ingle can't play a full good season. And she's obviously like had time in and out of the team, but I'm fully on the vibe that for next year, like the big summer signing I want us to make is some kind of like cryogenic chamber and we just keep Sophie and Fran in it for large portions of the season and kind of wheel them out for these sort of games you know Champions League semi-finals that thing I'm like okay we've got a great squad we've got lots of players who could step in let's just keep everyone who needs it wrapped in bubble wrap so that when they've got to go because that's how I felt about Sophie in the Arsenal game I was like wow like we've just let her rest for four weeks so she can come and put in this absolutely insane performance and and that was obviously the win that felt like really put our hands on the title and also her performance uh, at the new camp was was excellent as well i mean you, you, she's a really good player and her and aaron balance each other out really well and i think they're just probably were a more comfortable selection for emma than than maybe melly would have been and i'm looking forward to seeing like a fully fit and ready to roll melly next year you know benefit of 
having the the summer training camp and all that sort of stuff too. So yeah, lots of options there. Yeah, lots of options and another midfielder obviously being added to the mix in Shukanuskin. So there's plenty of interesting things to think about there over the summer. Um, I'll quickly run through some stats, like a totally dominant Chelsea performance. 23 shots uh, to Reading's four, our joint second highest numbers of shots in the WSL this season. Only five of them on target. We've gone back to being... Um, profligate but I don't think it really mattered uh, Reading had just one shot on target we had 78% possession to their 22% uh, 590 passes they made 173 with a pass accuracy of 52% um, I actually feel like mean reading this out because I just feel so sorry like I love Reading as a side and what they've offered the WSL um, but it was yeah they they really kind of let this one <laughs> Let this one go. I think they knew from the start, Abdullah, that it was going to be a really tough day for them. Um, XG finishing off with two point three to Chelsea, not point three to Reading. Yeah, I, I think I think Nick, you you were saying in, in on the WhatsApp group they were playing like a five zero two or six zero. I guess some sort of like no midfield like, and like six defense. Yeah, four four six zero, like just four six zero. Yeah. I think that was an early indication, Jesse, of of kind of where Reading's head was at in terms of what what they were. I think, I mean, that was just an indication that they knew Chelsea were coming for blood. They knew Chelsea were just going to finish the job, be professional, and and just kind of go for go for goals and almost kind of you know we've seen it so many times where you know almost champions on the last day end up liking to score like four, five, six, seven goals and kind of all right, see how, let's see how many goals you know the attackers can get and uh, it was kind of one of those. I will say 23 shots and only five on target, which to me is a little bit surprising. You know, I mean, I mean that that Sam Kerr chance in the first half from that amazing Eve Perisay cross. I was just like, how how do you not get that on target? That was I was unreal. So I mean, if I mean you're missing chances like that, fair enough. I'm like, I would have expected the on target to be at least above seven or eight, rather you know when you have 23 shots. But I guess it is what it is. Yeah, definitely. I think everyone had that kind of feeling around that early Sam chance and then Aaron uh, hitting the bar that, Nick, this was like, oh, God, this isn't going to be one of those days, is it? Because I, I felt like, because you were right in what you said earlier, you know, we did have to win the game. And I thought if if we do, for example, go half an hour without scoring, people are going to start feeling a bit oh. icky. I felt better because Manchester United didn't score for ages. And there was a point where I was like, Manchester United aren't even going to win, so it won't even matter. Um, but it was okay. We didn't have to wait too long in the end for for the opener. No, no, we definitely didn't. And it was like, you you uh, you did the thing that I normally do on Twitter where you're like, it's not going to be one of those days, is it? And then it was like <laughs> two minutes later, we got the opener. And um, I did to you what everyone on Twitter does to me, which is like, as you were saying, blah, 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 <laughs> you're going to be shitty. It's kind of fun. It's nice to be on the other side of it for once. You're like, uh, I'm going to make the most of this. <laughs> yeah, wow. I, I'm never going to do this. This is cool. Uh, yeah. It, 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 the the vibe in the stadium, like 78% possession was just like, they never had the ball. Like, they were never going to do anything. It was just up to us to finally put it in. But they were, those first 15 minutes, I mean, they, they were legitimately two banks of five within the 18 yard box it was it's like they were trying to fill all the space so that we couldn't shoot through and uh Aaron didn't just hit the bar she almost broke it I mean that that shot that rolled in it you couldn't have hit it more sweetly uh than she did they showed the replay uh from like where she like from behind her as she was shooting it 
and there was just no spin on it whatsoever. Absolutely smacked it. So, you know, yeah, I think everyone's a little nervous and whatever. That That's pretty normal. But, you know, I was really glad that, you know, 18 minutes in, got it done. And then, you know, the second one, you're like, this is definitely game over. Reading are not going to score two, you know. Yeah, that Aaron goal would have been so nice as well. I thought some of the some of the play in and around the box because of how far Reading was sitting back, how many players we were able to get in was very very easy on the eye. It is a mind fuck though. For those who are are used to watching the men's team uh flub every chance in front of goal and then give up leads when they have them <laughs> and all sorts of stuff. Like it is watching two different football teams with two different competencies. Like it is I think there are people who are who are taking their angst from watching the men's team this year and like putting it on the women's team. And then when they score goals, you're like, wait a minute, what you can do this and you can score more than one and you can look like you're having fun doing it. Like it's, it truly is. I think for those who are newer to the team, something that they're going to have to process. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, having watched the United game in midweek, it was just nice to see that if you get a good cross into the box, someone will head it in. And that is exactly Lovely. what uh, Sam Kerr <laughs> managed to do. Um, Abdullah, this like right into Kerr goal feels like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the Duncan Alexander, like famous tweet where he puts that like, I think it's like the 1999 Man United team that everyone thinks like all play together, but they only played together once. I feel like this about Gura Wrighton and Sam Kerr because that was the se- only the second time this season in the WSL Wrighton had assisted Kerr. But in my mind, I had watched that goal like 20 times this year. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you, oh my God, you've blown my mind. Like it's, it, it almost feels like, how? I mean, like the, I mean, how many times have we seen them celebrate together as if they've the ones that have linked up, you know, and they've got the whole, like, uh, hands up in the air, hand hand, sh- hand shake, whole thing, the whole routine's up. How is that only the second time? I mean, I mean, if you look at the way Guru gets that cross in, where she goes past a couple of players, she doesn't even look up. She just knows she's there, brilliant. gets in the cross, and then it's, a, it's, a, it's such a brilliant cross with the accuracy and everything. And you think, right, there's that chemistry, there's that... You know, there's that that movement, and it, you know she knows exactly where she's gonna be, and then you see you find that that is only the second time she's assisted. Well, okay, hold on. What about the other way around? I mean, uh, what? How many times has Sam yeah, assisted? Girl? I haven't done the research on that, and I should have done. And I will say this was just in the WSL. I just looked out of interest yeah. today, and I went through Guru Iton's assists. So I feel like there's been more elsewhere, but it yeah. just felt like one of those strange things. I don't know how many times. Um, Sam's assisted guru. At Harry Edwards. Harry, I'm doing a bat thing for you. I know you all know this. I know you'll be sitting listening to this, being like yelling what the number is. The answer um, is, yeah, Please yeah, yeah. let us know. How many total assists does Guru have this year in the league? So she ended up with 11 in the league, one off Beth Mead's uh, record uh, for a season. But uh, even that's funny because she got four against Leicester. So Leicester really, like... Game. It's it's weird. It's the goal scoring that I think's like been amazing, and that kind of takes us on quite naturally to to the second goal, which was from her. Um, no more than she deserved, but to get nine goals this season, Nick has been. You know, we've talked about her as an assist queen, but it feels like that's really gone under the radar. But these past two or three months, she just like has not been able to stop scoring. I don't think it's out of bounds to say that she is Chelsea's best player right now. Um, I think there are other 
players who are very, very good. I think if you look at the, you know, across all competitions this year, she's been the most consistent threat and hasn't gone through maybe the cold patches um, that some other players have gone through. Uh, to Again, if, if you just think about her style of play, she gets intentionally isolated on the left wing, doubled up all the time, and still makes stuff happen, which makes one less defender for everyone else to have to go uh, and, and get through to, to score. I, I think she's absolutely fantastic. And this was a hustle goal, right? This is pressing high, waiting for a dumb mistake to happen, and then slotting it through the goalkeeper's legs effortlessly. And we got to see the trademark baby face assassin roar at the end of it. And I think when, when, when you sum up the likability of Chelsea football club, yes, Sam Kerr doing flips and, being shithouse is absolutely fantastic and some of my favorite parts, Aaron uh, doing Aaron things. But Guro is utterly fantastic. I, like, I, I cannot believe how much her game has evolved since she got to Chelsea. And, I mean, the fact that she, there, there was no one else this year that challenged for her spot at all tells you all that you need to know. Yeah, 100%. And Abdullah, I think it's kind of come as a bit of a surprise for everyone how overlooked it felt like... She's been both inside and outside the club. Uh, Sam won both Players Player and Flat Fans Player of the Year. Um, and Rachel Daly, I think, ended up kind of winning the League's Player of the Year. And Sam obviously won the Football Writers Association one. Uh, but Michael Cox, who, in my opinion, is basically the best writer on women's football uh, still, um, he wrote that Guru Ryson was his Player of the Year, which I personally think is the only accolade I would want. Um, I really recommend going to read the piece on the Atlantic if you haven't already. Do you get a Michael? Do you get <laughs> yeah. some sort of recognition? Come on, yeah, zonal exactly. marking. Yeah, zonal yeah marking the zonal awards. marking award. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but why do you think we've seen Wrighton not have that kind of recognition? Um, Michael's line was um, that the deserved winner was essentially the same task for the men's vote as the women's. Pick simply pick the Norwegian who plays for the perennial title winners. <laughs> I like that's that. a great line i really like that um it's it's a strange one honestly i'm scratching my head around it not that i think sam deserves it any less because she's still done wonders for the team this season scored important goals and is still a match winner for chelsea practically every time she steps on the pitch but i just felt like this was guru season i mean forget the numbers like just her performances on a weekly basis have been so cons i think she's probably been the most consistent player for chelsea this season regardless of whether chelsea are winning games or losing games or drawing games i, I felt i really felt like she kind of elevated herself to becoming a key player where you know you'd have you'd have sam you, you know when you talk about who are chelsea's key players in terms of like pure match winners you've got penil harder you've got you, you know sam kerr and i really felt like Guru Wrighton became one of those players to the point where you could not drop Guru Wrighton unless you were resting her for the odd game. You were not dropping Guru Wrighton. And every time you'd... I mean, I, I, again, another stat that I would like to, to, to see and if, I, if we could find it, but the, um, I, I just distinctly remember Guru opening the scoring for Chelsea on, on, on quite a number of occasions, especially when Chelsea needed a breakthrough. You just see Guru coming up with um, with a goal. I mean, that Leon first leg goal was was another big big breakthrough. You know, you, you have that guy from outside the uh, the box. Obviously, this 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 goal against Reading was to kind of put everybody at ease to make it two nil. And I think 
it's just I, I think I think Sam was a bit more like continued scoring goals, and I think everybody was like, all right, that's there. But I I honestly could not explain to you why Gur didn't win anything. I would have given her something. Like it's it to me, it feels very much like Lewandowski not winning the Ballon d'Or that year during COVID, and then they were like, well, why didn't he win it? As this to me kind of feels like that where she deserved a top accolade, and 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 she's just she just didn't uh, you know she just didn't get it. I think some of the vote and voters for these awards are really, really biased on the last thing they saw. The last thing they saw was Sam Kerr winning the FA Cup with a goal, right? Also, both of them are insanely likable, but I think Sam is a little bit more in the public eye and and does a lot more of the public stuff. And, and again, it's like going to be the ambassador for this upcoming World Cup in in two months time. Like, I think there is some personality driven narratives around who the player of the year is there's an equivalent in America for the Heisman trophy, which is the best college football player. It's almost always a quarterback because the quarterback is like the most important position on the field. Like there's, it's rare. They have, they have positional awards for every other position. The Heisman goes to the the best quarterback basically every year. That's kind of how it feels like the goal scorer is going to be the one who wins these. Although I think we're all in alignment that, you know, not only should she have been Chelsea's player of the season, but she should be the league's player of the season. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah, I agree. And I think all of that kind of also feeds into this weird narrative whereby apparently we were rubbish this season. And I think we should talk about that a bit more. I wrote about that before before the game as well, because it's been a really fascinating kind of way of looking at the season I don't know whether it's come out of like boredom for some people that Chelsea win everything every year which you know I I can kind of understand like journalists have to try and like generate clicks you have to kind of come up with with these new things you can't always tell the same stories I guess um but yeah it's, it's been interesting I think the thing that's felt weird about Sam is like Sam's had a great season without it feeling like a great season she's almost like the the mini me of what people have said about Chelsea whereby because she hasn't scored in the league that much, so she scored her 11th league goal yesterday, 10th and 11th, um, which is obviously way below Daly, who finished on 21, I believe, uh, 22 maybe, um, and won the golden boot. Um, People seem to think that Sam's had a quiet season, but those goals yesterday literally equaled her in all competitions, uh, the number she scored last year, um, which just kind of shows you that I think the goals have been spread out a bit more, Abdullah. Um, but I love this quote from her on, on Sky afterwards saying, I don't really care what people say about me, honestly. I'm in the greatest team in England. I'm happy and the team is happy. And we we sometimes see Sam, I think, as not an ego, but like, as Nick says, like she's the face of a lot of stuff and it kind of feels like you could understand how someone would maybe feel like an individual as a result but I think Sam's attitude sums up what I love so much about this Chelsea team and that is that the team always is what matters the collective is what matters people can say what they like about the individuals within it and this kind of comes back to like the being frustrated about Guru not getting her flowers and all of that kind of stuff like at the end of the day they all lifted the WSL they all lifted the FA Cup and they know that like that's what they came to do. Yeah, I know exactly, and and when you look at Sam on the pitch, off the pitch with the team, there, there doesn't seem to be any sort of you know individualism there. It doesn't look like she feels like she's bigger than than the rest of her teammates. She like she's like she almost feels like 
you know, we're all equals, if not, you know, and, 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 you know, in my mind, she's like the type of person that will give props to a girl right or a Lauren James or a Penny Lahada before she even talks about herself. Uh, and that's the vibe I get from her. So I think, I, I think you're right in, in terms of Sam's death for the team. And I think, you know, initially, you know, we, we, we saw, we saw the, the documentary that was there, you know, before, and, and, you know, she even talked about it that, you know, you got to prove yourself to the team by playing well before they really accept you, especially at Chelsea and everything. And I felt like, her personality along with, I mean, that in itself, I think proves to us based on what we see now is that she worked hard to get to this, to this point and be that team player. Because if the team didn't think that she was a team player or someone who's a little bit more humble than, than she is, then I don't think there would have been this acceptance. And I think we would have seen something or the other either come out or on the pitch in terms of individualism and all that. And I don't see that at all. So, and I think, kind of what we've seen, the way she is. And I, I mean, like the fact that she's got, I mean, this is a just a byproduct of the whole thing, but she's got like individual celebration combos with like Lauren James and then Gura Wright and then, and, 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 you know, Pernil Lahada. And, and I think that just shows that, she, you know, they're, they're, they're all, so they're a tight net group. Nobody thinks better of each other. S Sam might be the, the talismanic figure of the club, spearheading everything, scoring the goals and the important ones and doing it. But, you know, I think in her mind, she's equally okay to, to pass the ball, to get get across and, and and be able to assist everybody else and do that. So for me, I feel like that's a sign of, 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 of there's no real big ego in terms of I am better than the rest of the team. Everybody here is top class. Uh, look at their goal celebrations. Right, the easiest way to determine if a team's together or not, they almost always celebrate together. Like the center backs will come all the way forward and and do a job like they they celebrate as a team they when they go through tough moments you know captains rally the group together when we take one of our scheduled timeouts right like this is <laughs> this is one of those those teams that like doesn't just fake being together because it's really easy to tell if you're fake together right i would say that a lot of like when i watch manchester city's women's team play there's a lot of fake together there um <laughs> like this is a Ouch. Yeah, call it like I see it, but um, th this team actually does it, and and you can tell in the difficult moments that it's real, and you can tell in the moments where it did feel like a bit of a coronation today. That um, sorry if that word is a little offensive to those in England, uh, given recent news, but um, but I think that's the that's kind of the thing. Like Sam, yeah, Sam is the face of a lot of stuff. She's in my mind the definition of what carefree means. Like she doesn't give a flying fuck about anyone else, and is like responding to Twitter trolls yesterday is just hilarious. Like, she had that guy bookmarked. She was waiting. <laughs> yeah, I was amazing. To go back to that tweet. <laughs> but, Killer yeah. instinct, man. It's awesome. I love it. I, I, I think this. it's really, it's this. really funny. Um, yeah, and it's that kind of personality, right? Which I guess comes back to, the, to what we've been talking about all the way through about you know why this team is is so likable, and I guess in some ways. Is the variety of personalities, Nick, too, because we saw sort of standing ovations from Magdalena Eriksson and Penilla Harder playing their last games for Chelsea, and they feel like they're almost at the opposite end of the spectrum. Like, they're kind of two people who you feel like in Reserved. a non-footballing context would never be, like, friends with someone like Sam Kerr. But, like, in the best way possible, it's it's that mix that makes it work, and... Yeah, I thought it was really emotional when both Penilla and when Magda came off. Um, Millie putting Magda's medal on as well was not a dry eye in the house, I think. Um, but yeah, 
obviously we saw them have their kind of like speeches and everything Kings Meadow, the last home game. Um, but just talk to me a bit about kind of how it felt to to watch those two um, have their last moments in a Chelsea shirt. Yeah, I'll take I'll take Magda. So Abdullah can take Pranella. I I think the for for me anyway, this is the only way that this could have gone right. It is this kind of Kodak moment of getting the uh, the standing ovation. You know, very very richly deserved, and you knew Emma was going to do something like that because she thinks about that stuff. And then you get to the to the celebrations and yeah, the, the Millie Millie basically like telling the heads of the FAWSL, like, give me your medal <laughs> because I'm doing a thing here. Like the, I think that just kind of tells you all that you need to know about how they exist. Right. The, Millie and Magda, two different personality types, right? Millie much more in the Sam Kerr camp, the Aaron Cuthbert camp, the, the, you know, fun outspoken crew, maybe not in the stoic camp as much um, with with some of the other folks. And the fact that like the, the cameras were right there on it and you, you got to see them tell each other that they love each other, right? Like as a as a as a person is is really emotional. And that to me, Millie hasn't played in what, two months? And really, I mean, we've seen her in the stands, but you know, has obviously been doing rehab and trying to get ready for the World Cup. Uh, it just she looks so happy to be there with her team, and you know the fact that you got to see Fran there too, and Fran like passing, like not doing the trophy lift, like passing it to all the other people who need respect. That just shows me kind of all those things. And then you know, for as stoic as Magda's been, she's let a lot of tears go the last week, and that is incredible to see you know that's like you reached the peak of your career you won four leagues in a row three doubles in a row of course you didn't get there in the champions league but incredible and absolutely incredible not a dry eye in the house yeah absolute chelsea legend there i mean without even a shadow of a doubt i think i think with panilla it's it's amazing because when obviously sam came in and 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 you know we had a one superstar there, but I think with Penilla Harder when she was she was linked and then she came on through from from Wolfsburg, I think that was at least for me it was a sign of like we've got a genuine top two world class player coming to Chelsea. I mean, just this is the hype behind her, what she had done for Wolfsburg and in her career. Penilla Harder is just an absolute you know world class talent, and I think. Coming into Chelsea and being able to attract that level of talent and 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 the impact that she had when she came in, I think, was unreal. And I think we saw it this season. I think more than any of the you know the a couple of seasons that she's played, I think this season is when we really felt her impact because she obviously did her hamstring early, you know, in 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 the in the winter of 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 the season. And when she's come on in the last month or so, kind of coming back to play for Chelsea just seeing the big the, the impact that Penilla, a fit Penilla Hada has on the Chelsea side and the way Chelsea are able to break teams down get those breakthroughs and 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 the way they operate is totally different and it's it's a hell of a job to replace someone of that caliber and Oshie's been there a much shorter time than than Magda Eriksson I just don't think we can ignore the impact and the kind of the effect that she's had on Chelsea as a football club and Chelsea in terms of their performances and in terms of 
to the level of players that can, you know, that, that can be attracted to Chelsea. And, and you know, you know, you can always turn around to, to anyone now and be like, we've had Penel Hada, we have Samka, we've, we have Franca, we have world-class players who've come in, joined, won titles, and yes, left as well, but... They've come in and they've they they've they've enjoyed themselves, right? And you can tell from from this that they accepted Penilla like, similar to Samka as while she's a world class player, while she might might have that individual uh, look to her in terms of the way she is, and you build a team around Penilla Hada. I I think that you know, but I think that she. I think maybe in the beginning there was a little bit of a, a culture shock in terms of Wolfsburg was built around her and Chelsea. She was a bit more of part of the collective superstars that were there. But I think eventually she 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 adjusted to that. She embraced it, and she kind of performed the way that she did. Yes, I know we 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 heard times you know it's it's not it's not built to Penelahada. Penelahada might be a little bit you know mad here and there. But I think overall, what we've seen is someone who's kind of changed the way we've seen Chelsea approach transfers. Someone who's changed the team and had a, a big effect. And to me, probably one of the top five players to ever play for Chelsea Football Club in terms of the impact that she's had tactically and and otherwise I think it's uh, she's been an absolutely fantastic player for the couple of seasons that she's been here it's very hard not to feel like constantly like the Pep Guardiola we cannot replace him <laughs> gif which is always yeah. weird because that was like it obviously wasn't sarcastic but like everyone knew that Pep was done with Aguero so that's why it was like a bit weird but I'm that's literally just been me on repeat about Magda and Panilla uh, in terms of their impact especially I think Magda uh, on the team um, but okay I think this is a good place to, to take a quick ad break again um, we'll come back and then I'm going to get the guys to let me know what the highlight of the, the Chelsea celebrations was Nick I'll come to you first this is like our, our three word party review I guess, but um, <laughs> what were your favorite bit of the the partying? Because people asked Emma after the game, like, look, you know, after the FA Cup final, they had to like all get on the coach by a certain time because they still had matches to play. Emma said she was going to be buying the shots last night, and it certainly looked from Instagram like that she kept her word on that one. Yeah, they uh turned the uh, away locker room into a club Chelsea, huh? I mean, just. Absolutely fantastic. And yeah, I, I think a deserved bit of celebration. You know, obviously, you, you mentioned previously that Reading announced Chelsea was going to be doing the celebrations during the game. Like, why? Just wait till it's over. <laughs> it feels a little aggressive. I don't know. Um, especially when your team's going down. But yeah, I, I think. I don't understand the JRK dancing thing as as much as maybe some other folks do, but it is entertaining. There's there's no doubt about it. I think there's just a lot of emotion and vibes happening during that, and uh, it's uh yeah, it's something to really uh, cherish. Nick, I don't think anyone understands it. It's not about <laughs> understanding. It's just about letting it wash over you. That's um, true. You know, maybe I was a little too rigid in my analysis there. Maybe I just need to vibe it out. You know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Abdullah, did you have a highlight yesterday? Um, I so I I actually stumbled across and probably the one that I saw the most was Kadisha Buchanan's Instagram live that I ended up watching, and there was a two and a half minute um, recording of it on on Twitter, and I ended up watching it twice, and I just I I liked it because you just had like 
to me, I saw, you know, the, the stoicness that, that Nick referred to about Magda being in that sort of camp. And I think Penela's sort of there as well. But just to see the two of them sort of break a little bit loose out of the mold, it was like the players would turn and say, just chillax, calm down, celebrate a little bit more, let's do this. And then you had like Neve Charles in the background running around and you had um, Kirish Buchanan kind of telling them, all right, you're going to do this move and then you're going to follow and repeat it with me. And then they kept they kept doing it. And then Magda eventually kind of just settled into it and started embracing the whole thing. And to me, that, that sort of um, breaking it down for everybody was was really cool and 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 i i like the fact that um i think emily orman's like the designated like vibes player in the squad just kind of runs around everyone's best friend and everyone loves her and she just kind of runs around celebrating with everybody and i i like that as well but you know it's just it was just great to see the celebrations i think probably every, the most thing i look forward to more than the actual title is just to see the celebrations because fa cup final uh, the WSL titles, everything. They just they they know how to celebrate. They know how to party after the game, and it's just so much fun to watch. The speed with which I clicked on the notification from Instagram saying Aaron <laughs> is starting a live video, like wow, wow. Because I was waiting. I went with Flo Lloyd Hughes, and so she had to do post match, and I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready to take in all the vibes in the sun. Um, my highlight was Guru Wrighton having to repeatedly explain to Emma Hayes what an Instagram live was and that Kadisha Buchanan <laughs> was broadcasting her, I think to limited comprehension oh, still. Um, and I have to shout out Frank Kirby Daly on Twitter who has kind of edited up a number of the different dancing videos from last night, but also from the FA Cup final to One Step Beyond. And it's like one of the most joyous things I've ever watched. Um, just in terms of being like this football team is made up of absolute idiots uh, in the best way possible. <laughs> Very talented idiots, I've got to be honest. Um, so go and check that out if, you, if you've not seen it already. Um, Nick, I just want to like kind of finish off and, and wrap up today by sort of reflecting on the win and where it ranks in the many, many WSL titles we have have won. But I think particularly thinking about this four in a row um, that we've we've pulled off. Where where does this rank for you? Does it feel like more impressive because of the injuries? Does it feel underwhelming because maybe we haven't played as amazing football as we did in sort of twenty twenty one season? Um, it's a good question. So I was thinking about this, right? Um, I think there are kind of pro not, there might be two schools of thought. Uh, maybe there are more. I think given the context of Chelsea Football Club this year. The amount of change that has happened, the amount of injuries that have happened, the amount of, I think, just negativity writ large. You mentioned this earlier in the show that you could easily rank this number one. Like, despite all of that, all the noise, all the bullshit, that this team just went out and did a job and in the end did it comfortably, right, uh, is, is just insane to me. Now, I also see the camp that's like, We've played a lot better football in previous seasons and more aesthetically pleasing, I guess, for those who uh, value that above winning. I don't understand you as people, but that's okay. Um, and, and maybe this isn't their favorite, but I think the narrative that went into this season, the fact that Chelsea had among the hardest routes to the Champions League final that anyone could have anticipated and, and didn't quite make it, fact there was disappointment again in the league cup right and unfortunately was there to see that live <laughs> um you you 
you can easily rank this up there. And I I think maybe to Abdullah's point the earlier, the second leg Barcelona match where you ended their winning streak at home and the team really looked like they were ready to accept that challenge finally. You know, like it took a while, right? It wasn't even like the most convincing thing that Chelsea's done, but they finally punched back. They finally broke through. I think that only sets you up for success in the future, knowing that you can do that. And so uh, for me, it's number one. Yeah. Abdullah, would you agree? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think um, just everything Nick said, and I think just to kind of, so not to repeat it, I think as well, just the amount of times that the team were doubted. Can they do it? Can they not do it? Oh, you know, you know, there, there's just, it's, it's just plan A and, and, you know, it's, 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 some people have called it sufferable or, or, or other terms like that. And, and I, I won't, I mean, I won't lie. I, you know, there are times where even I questioned, you know, if you're going to have a plan A, it better be a hell of a plan A to, to be able to go through. But, you know, every time Chelsea found a way out with minor tweaks or whatever, and Emma found a way to to win the games that mattered. And every time there was a challenge presented, which to me felt like more often than not, there was there were sorry, there were more challenges presented this season than they have been in past title challenges. Uh and 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 the fact that Arsenal and Manchester United were in a very tight race up until the last day of the season, to me, because usually we've seen it's okay, it's just an Arsenal or just a Manchester City. And then maybe sometimes it comes down to the third last week and you kind of know from there who's going to win it. But the fact that any combination of the three could have won the title on the last day, you know, depending on results, and to win it the way they did and, and get to a Champions League semi-final, perform the way they did, win the cup again. And and just the fact that it's the fourth one, you know, it's it's to me putting that all together is just super impressive. You know, we talk, we, we talked about it in the beginning of the show. Like you guys said, can we get another year of Sophie Ingle to do it? And can we get another year of this? And the fact that we're even saying here, we've got a fourth title in, in as many years is in and of itself such a huge achievement that it automatically in a weird way just kind of gives you, brings you to number one on the list because while the first one's essentially the easier one to get in a weird way, to maintain it and keep doing it again and again and again is, you know, is a huge achievement as well. Two, two more things. Emma had health issues at the beginning of the season. <laughs> I think we forget about that. And the fact that the team was able to not, not only not lose while she was gone, but win uh, every single match while she was gone is, is just, that's, that shows you what the team is about, right? That she doesn't necessarily need to be there for them to perform at the level that's expected. And then the second thing is, and Jesse, you'll know this because you're going this summer, managing in World Cup years is insanely difficult. There is a lot going on, and I know that Emma is a lot more plugged in than maybe some managers would be uh, to where her players are probably going to be playing for the national team this summer. Is going to be considerate of the fact that you know she wants as many of those players to have that experience as possible. We saw her last summer, obviously with with the England team, uh, you know, celebrating on the sidelines, even though she wasn't necessarily a part of the coaching staff, right? Because she loves you know her players that much. I, I think factor all that in and the rotation that she did this year, easily the most rotation that we've seen out of her. It's it's a masterclass in coaching. It really is. So, sorry, and one last thing. We didn't have 
Frank Kirby or Penilla Harder for the majority of the season. <laughs> yeah. Two of your best players yeah. not playing for the most of the season. And to do that, I think, again, is another... another. Uh, Why aren't you guys playing indication. as good a football? I don't know. Well, we, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, and I think for me as well, like I think the point about Emma is, is so legit. She's someone who, I've said again and again, I think is so underrated still to be honest i think lots of people like to go big on this idea that like she's not some kind of tactical master which i just kind of think is bullshit to be honest um and i've spoken about that extensively before um but even beyond that like yeah the way she's managed a squad and i feel like this maybe is the league win which has felt most about chelsea as a team and and that comes from missing players like Harder and Kirby. But, you know, in the past, we've really had players like whether it was Beth England or Sam Kerr or Fran or like kind of any combination of those people, like they've been the ones who've really taken the plaudits. But, um, you know, I was even talking to the this uh, artist guy who like he does like title winning posters like for the squad. And he did. So he did one last year for Chelsea and he was like checking with me on, on the one for this year. And I was like. It's so hard because I was looking at it and I was like, it does, just doesn't feel right to put 11 players. Like, obviously, the design is you you put 11 players in your formation. But I was like, I don't feel like I can say, like, fairly, like, what was our 11 we used this season. You need the because... Avengers poster with everyone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, for real, in terms of, like, how everyone, like, stood up when they were called upon whether they were like veteran players like Ingle, like Maren Mielder. if you told me at the start of the season that we would win the league with Maren Mielder and Magda Eriksson as our centre-back pairing I would have like laughed for I a remember, long long time I remember when you guys did the Kiddisha Buchanan special and you're like what does this mean for players yeah. like Mielda right and <laughs> well it means that by the way not only are they going to play but they're going to play that fucking well yeah. I mean it's that's incredible Mm -hmm. exactly and and then equally you've had kind of new players coming in LJ obviously the standout even though she was here last season but Chankovic, Kanarid, all of these players Perisette who've like come in and, and really played like an exceptional role I think what's amazing is one it was a record points total which feels like it's really gone under the radar no one's um, talking about it because it's Chelsea, but that's fine. We'll say it out loud. Yeah. <laughs> and all I can say is, like, if people thought we were bad this year and we set a record points total, I'm really fucking sorry for the rest of you next year. Because yeah. Jesus Christ, like, what? This was the down year? Okay, cool. Uh, and, some... and, and much like Arsenal in the, in the, the, the men's uh, Premier League, you've never had a better shot to get us than this year and and i i cannot believe given all the context even with the world cup even with kind of a, a goofy schedule next year i can't believe that emma's not licking her chops to go and, and absolutely toast the league next year because arsenal uh, as it stands are not getting better uh united are uh, talking a lot of shit but haven't ever done anything about it and city are a clusterfuck of epic proportions. You don't really know what you're going to get out of them on any given day. So it's like, is it Villa that maybe has the best chance? I don't know. <laughs> like really it's, it's difficult to say, but yeah, record points, total record wins, 25 unanswered goals at the end of the season, but we're not good. So just remember that. 
Yeah, um, it is. It is very, very funny, and I think, yeah, in terms of being like, wow, like maybe this was the year to come at us, and it didn't really happen for anyone. Obviously, you know, I'm sure Arsenal would say, well, what if we didn't have the injuries and blah blah, but like, that's part of it, and I think that's that's the big advantage, and that's what Hayes has created. She's created a built-in advantage into this squad where these things don't affect Chelsea in the way that they would affect other teams. Because no other team, I think, is is losing out on Harder and Kirby for all of this season, basically, and, and going and doing what we did still, even with... Because I just don't think people have the depth, and that's to do with, like, recruitment that's gone on for years and years. That's why it's important to highlight the veterans and the newbies, because... All of those players have been brought in in like specific profiles with specific attitudes um, to be part of a project. And yeah, it felt like yesterday was like a real culmination of something that's obviously stretched back for like over a decade at this point. Um, just to like finish off here, where do you think this leaves us for next season, Abdullah? I think we'll talk about this in a bit more detail as kind of like the dust settles over the end of this season. But because it feels like this year was maybe our off year, because Arsenal are going to be coming back from the injuries, because United are going to lose their two best players because they don't pay anyone anything, because City are keeping Gareth Taylor. <laughs> Do, like, are we just going for five? I was waiting for the jab to come in on, on Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, 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 when I saw the news of Gareth Taylor saying, I was like, yes. Thank you, City. Please give him a lifetime contract. Yeah. Just like let let him let him keep going. You know, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I I, th I think I think if we're going for initial reactions, I would say the fifth title is not out of the realms of possibility. And considering the rumored and already confirmed transfer targets that Emma and the team have already made slash going to make, that just potentially puts us at another level. You know, for again with the down year, and we end up signing positions and players that are required for the team to, to progress i don't see why five in a row is is possible because how do you you know it does take united's example how do you go and find another other tune or an alessia russo that's that's difficult for them right okay maybe they can maybe they'll be able to do it but we don't know what their scout their scouting is like um you look at manchester city they just never have a transfer strategy it's just we'll just sign a bunch of like they signed like a bunch of players last summer and then half of them don't even play like for whatever reason like whether it's Leila Huabi or Dana Castellanos like they just they're just there um then you've got Arsenal who will have to see who they end up signing and what they do but I think Chelsea are in the best position because they don't need a ton of surgery and the core of the squad is still there and so it's just a matter of integrating two, three, four players, depending on who comes in to replace the ones that are leaving and kind of just go again because the team knows how to play. Everyone's gotten a lot better. Let's be real. Like Neve Charles stepped up, improved once again this season. I thought she's gone to another level. Jess Carter continued her rise into the ranks. So these players who were maybe not as good beginning of the season last season have stepped up again. So everyone's just getting better. The team is improving through signings. Emma's still there. And I don't see a reason why Chelsea can't go and make it five just to be this dominant team, you know, in, in, in the years to come and just do what Pep and City do, you know, on the men's side. I think to get out in front of it, the, the two areas of concern are, are, one, I think the volume of matches that these players will play with the World Cup. Um, we saw with the men's World Cup in, in December, um, that farcical tournament that happened uh, this year, that the level of the league specifically dropped a ton. 
because of the injuries, because of the volume of matches and the rotation required. And I think that's just something that we should prepare ourselves for. Um, one, I think that Emma's kind of done some of that pre-work this season, right? Rotated a lot, got a lot of different players in, got them experience, all that sort of stuff. So I, I don't think it will be as big of a stretch for, for Chelsea as it is for some other teams just because of the depth in the squad. Uh, but we're also going to have to figure out who is going to score the goals of Sam isn't can't goes on a cold streak. You know, I think that's something that without, you know, Beth England here um, as, as kind of the trusty deputy that I really will be looking for to see kind of who picks up that slack, whether it's someone like LJ playing in a more central, you know, kind of forward role or something like that, or Fran coming back and just going on another one of, of her Fran Kirby sorts of runs of form that we've, we've seen before where she's scoring a volume of goals like there's there's going to have to be a plan B there cuz it felt like there were times this year where where it was only plan A and we're going to run plan A into the ground and we're comfortable selling Beth England because we we knew that Sam is almost always fit uh, but had Pernilla Harder not come in when she did that that does give me a little bit of just tiny bit of anxiety right so i think those are the two things i would consider if you're if you're looking for five next year if Chelsea overcome those things, we're in a good spot. Yeah, and, and it'll be interesting. Obviously, um, Bayern Munich won the Frauen Bundesliga uh, today, which means that Chelsea need Barcelona to win the Champions League final to avoid going into Champions League qualifications. And that's the thing that really fucks everyone at the start of the season because you have to come straight back. This World Cup's like later than um, it would be normally. Uh, teams are going to go straight into Champions League qualification. Chelsea wouldn't be in the initial round. Um, that's where Arsenal Arsenal have to come back straight and play that. Um, but yeah, we could actually really do with supporting uh, Barcelona next weekend. Uh, but it will be interesting as well to see who maybe kind of benefits from not being at the World Cup. Obviously, Fran said she won't be going, but Chelsea, I think, are hopeful that she'll be back for pre-season. So you know, that's good. She she won't be playing a load of minutes. Sophie Ingle obviously won't be there with Wales. There's a potential that someone like Shoka Nuskin might not even make the, the Germany squad, depending on what Martina Vos-Tecklenburg goes for. Um, and then even there's a funny, like, um, like scheduling, I guess, with the World Cup when, when people could meet. But, like, the, there's a high chance that England play Canada or Australia in the round of 16. So... A whole chunk of Chelsea players are across those three teams. So some of them will be coming home at that stage. Um, I obviously like want all of our players to do as well as they could possibly do. But that's like just quite a funny thing to note, which which could work out quite, quite well for us. I don't think we're going to end up in a position where we're going to have like a ton of players just because of the way the draw is, um, where we're going to have a ton of players going all the way. I think it will only be from a couple of players from from kind of one country. Um so, yeah, but obviously we will be like across lots of all of that stuff um, as, as we head into as we head into the summer. I'll just wrap up the, the last day of the WSL for anyone who kind of missed it. Obviously, we won 3-0. Uh, Manchester United did manage to get their win in the end. They beat Liverpool 1-0. It looked like something hilarious could happen with Champions League qualification because Aston Villa beat Arsenal 2-0 and Man City were 3-0 up against Everton at one point. They needed an 11-goal swing to overcome the the goal difference, um, but it didn't happen. Uh, Everton scored twice, so they won 3-2 there. Leicester City won 1-0 against Brighton, um, so uh, regardless, 
Reading would have been going down, whatever had happened against us, and West Ham finished off the season, drawing 2-2 with Tottenham, and promptly sacked Paul Kontreski this morning. So the table finishes with Chelsea in first, that record points total there, with 58 points, 19 wins, one draw, and two losses. Um, an absolutely astonishing record, really. United finished two points behind us on 56. Arsenal and City, a very distant third and fourth, both on 47 points there. Arsenal getting that Champions League spot by virtue of their goal difference of 33. Villa, 10 points behind those two then in fifth on 37. And then it went Everton, Liverpool, West Ham, Spurs, Leicester, Brighton. And as we said, Reading relegated with 11 points. Um, shout out to Abdullah's friend, Willie Kirk, for an absolutely astonishing turnaround uh, for his season there. Keeping Leicester not just up, but finishing in 10th by virtue of their goal difference with 16 points. Um, guys, how do you want to wrap this episode up? Any final words um, before we bid everyone adieu? It's not goodbye at See You Soon because we will be back probably this week to talk more about <laughs> this win. Um, is, but, there any, but... is there any news coming of note either? Anything important? <laughs> no, uh, yeah. I think it will be quiet. A quiet start to the summer, I'm sure. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I just... I, I appreciate all the work you guys did on, on the pod this year. I think it's been a really great... Uh, show of strength across the the one in his blue network that there's so much going on and a season filled with so much uh i think anxiety and sadness mostly around the club like the fact that this is the bright spot of the entire season is is something to really uh cherish and um for for me anyway it gave me some joy at the end of the year i mean when I when I tell you that basically, except for the Chelsea women, every other sports team that I follow was just terrible this year. <laughs> I mean, just <laughs> god awful. This is the only team that has overperformed. Like it's it's an incredible thing. So um, definitely appreciate all the work you guys have done, and uh, and yeah, look forward to the summer pods. Yeah, no, no, I um, I've, it's been it's been a it's been a hell of a ride, hell of a journey, another season under the belt. I think it's been. Again, a very enjoyable one. Um, thank the both of you for your for your help and 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 kind of you know the work you guys have done as well. Um, and yeah, Jesse, shout out to you for for really you know killing it the season and, and really taking the lead. So I appreciate it. And and yeah, I'm looking forward to working with you guys again in the off season. Yeah, I think I just want to finish off with something Emma Hayes tweeted last night saying, success is what you receive. Significance is what you give. This group, this club, these fans, we know who we are. I love you, Chelsea FC. And there's really no fitting, more fitting way, I think, to 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 round it all out. Um, she loves an end of season tweet, doesn't she? She does. She does. I feel she like really she does. really like preps it all year. Like she's she's there in her Twitter drafts in her office. I just see her like, like a lamp on at night, writing on paper. Like what's the most them poetic? Over the shoulder. Just a terrible draft. Let's do another one. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, but. What can I say? The tweets hit, so it works. Um, all right. Uh, we will leave you guys here. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Abdullah, for joining us. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the season. Uh, it was a lovely way to end it. Uh, we will be back soon. End of season shenanigans, awards, rankings, transfer analysis, all of that kind of good stuff. We're not going anywhere. But until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>